0: Welcome to Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson and today I'm talking with local arth- author Christy Slaven. Christy has lived and worked in southeast Alaska for 45 years. Fisherman, teacher, potter, author. She is eager to share the unique beauty of her home through her stories. Welcome Christy. Thank you. I'm so excited to get to talk to you. I have, um, I've read two of your books now and, um, I, I have to say, I'm not a big fiction reader. I mostly read nonfiction, but I think one of the things I love about your stories is the appreciation for Southeast Alaska. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I love your characters too. The values, the community values, um, that you portray through your stories and, uh, and you have some new books out also.
1: I do. I do. Um, give you a little background. This, the first one that I published a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. uh, Home is Where the Fish Are. Yeah. I had written, Oh, it's got to be close to 30 years ago. Wow. And I could see, I mean, we moved here in 78, and I could see that things were changing. I mean, the old guard was here. Those boys who had come over between the world wars from Norway, yeah. you know, they were actively fishing then. Um, but I could see things were not going to be the way they were for very long, That things were changing fast. And I wanted to kind of record that. I wanted a snapshot of what the town was like. Then, And that's why I wrote that. Um, and I pulled it out uh, a few years ago because part of a, a plot device in there is this question they're having with IFQs about taking the IFQs back into state ownership and then divvying up the IFQs among the next generation. And I made that up, right, just to, to have our villain in the story. It was a bad idea. (laughs) It was a bad idea then, but I pulled it out of the closet because that idea had resurfaced in the state legislature. Okay. We're going to take permits and, and anything they can get their hands on when a fisherman retired or died. And then they would decide how it was going to be divvied up. Oh, wow. And so that's why I went ahead and published it. And I sent it to our representative and said, it was a bad idea 25 years ago when I made it up and it's a bad idea. Now, please don't do this. (laughs) So that was the impetus for, for publishing it. But the impetus for writing was just to, to take a snapshot of the town. Um, Sid and Emily and Harold were all alive when I wrote it and Sid read it, the the first draft. Um, And he was kind of stunned by my portrayal of him because he said, did you ever hear me say that? Because that sounds like something I would really say. <laughs> so I was, that was high praise, I figured. Oh, nice. Yes. And it was. Just everything, anything would come of it, but, and nothing did for 20, 30 years. And then I went ahead, I decided to go ahead and throw it up there on Amazon.
0: Nice. Well, I really enjoyed it. Um, and it was funny as I was reading the book, I, there's, I, there's, and I can't tell you the words that you use, but it's, it's there in my mind more as a feeling where you're describing, there's a funeral and you're describing the people in the room and the Norwegian sweaters. And, um, that plays in my mind a lot. And there was somebody, a man that got up to speak. And in, in the book, it wasn't a, It wasn't somebody, they weren't named after somebody in town. But in my mind, I could see that person. Like, I felt like, oh, I could see so-and-so doing that or, you know. (laughs) Um, But also your characters, I feel like this is one of my favorite things of your stories is your character development. I love the depth of your character and the complexities of them. And some of them, yeah, you can see that in, in people in town, but also they're more than that. Before we get too far, can you tell me, what is your inspiration for um, your stories?
1: Well, Home is Where the Fish Are, that's what the inspiration was, just to capture, capture Petersburg before it changed. And it's not, if you read Home is Where the Fish Are now, it, it's a different town. The fisheries have changed. The town has changed. So I'm I'm glad I did it then when I did. Um, and one of the things that I hoped for when I wrote it was that people would say, yeah, this is why we live here. We like living here because of all of these things. And I'm going to buy this for my aunt in Des Moines so she'll finally understand <laughs> why I live in Alaska and why I'm not ever coming back to Des Moines, you know? Yeah. So... I have, I've always written. I love the language. I I think it was James Michener who once said that, that writing is like throwing a pot. They are very similar in that you start out with this amorphous mass. In pottery, you have a lump of mud and with care and skill and putting a lot of yourself into it, you may come out with something beautiful. And on the other hand, when you're writing, you've got this whole mess of words, the whole English language, but it has no sense. But with luck and skill and putting yourself into it, again, you may be able to shape this into something that means something, at least to you, and perhaps is something beautiful for somebody else to read. So they're very similar and that you start with something that has no shape and you give it shape and you give it purpose and you give it hopefully some kind of beauty. Yeah. Okay. So I've always written and, um, I burned several and there are several more that will never see the light of day, but these, <laughs> these are the best ones.
0: <laughs> okay. And so I heard you say too, that you're, you write several hours a day. just I do. Regular basis.
1: Mm-hmm. Left to my own devices. Yeah. Yeah. Life doesn't impinge. I, I will put in six or eight hours a day. And, and so that's kind it, of your routine. What is my routine or that is my routine? That, that is your routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And generally in the mornings. And, and it's a slow go. I only get a good day is 3000 words, which isn't that many. <laughs> but it's a slow go because um, I have to enter those characters i become those people and i'm in this situation and i think okay what what would she say what would her hands do what would her face look like and and i i pretty much sit here and play it out and then describe on paper what that person did and then how does this other person react because the most interesting part of any book like this is dialogue And the dialogue has to be genuine. It can't be my voice here and my voice there. It's her voice and his voice. And you really have to live inside them to know how... And you have to know them really, really well. Much better than I know most of the people in my real life. (laughs) Because you pass somebody on the street, you say hi. Right? But you don't look past that. You don't see what's going on inside their head, what's going on inside their heart. You don't know. And you really... Well, maybe you do have time, but that's not how you spend it, right? Yeah. So I'll, you pass all these people in, and you know them. They're your friends, but you're not inside them. I don't know them as well as I know these people in my books. sounds a little crazy.
0: <laughs> I don't think it sounds crazy just because that's my favorite part of your stories, I think, is getting to know these people. And there's so much too in your stories of the thought process, especially in the the latest story, the White Raven that I just mm-hmm. read. Um, so much of is going on. I mean, she'll say some, but then she says a whole lot more in her head. And I guess I I could really relate to that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh- but- I told you when we were talking before that, that when I started writing White Raven, I started with the opening scene. And I just had this woman that I wanted to describe. And, and so that first chapter, I didn't understand why she was so difficult. why she was, And she's a very difficult person. She's very prickly. And yes. we don't know why. And as I was writing that, I didn't know why. And it wasn't until much later in the book that I realized she had reasons. (laughs) She had had real good reasons to be so difficult. And um, how she ends up is a choice. Both of the characters in that book make choices to be better people. And that's that's what we're all after, right? And And what they choose, both of them choose to live courageously to get beyond their own fears and um, live a life of courage and compassion. Because you can't be compassionate if you're wrapped up in your own paranoia and your own fear. So living a life of courage. And that, I mean, I think we all come into this um, world with an agenda. We have things, we have a list of things that we're supposed to work on, right? Yeah. Top of my list, I think, is that, is to live a life of courage to live courageously and not be bound up and um, limited by my own fears. And I think that's high on the list for most of us, you know?
0: Yes. I hope it is. (laughs) I want it to be. (laughs) Oh, when I was reading white Raven um, and the main character that, how you just said, when you're all wound up in your own fears, you can't live courageously. And it's all about the self. And I saw so much of myself and in, in her and I, and I was, and in the book, she's in her twenties too. And I was, and I was like, Oh, I'm so glad I did at some point outgrow that. <laughs> um, so Let's motherhood helps. Mother, yes, motherhood helps <laughs> a tremendous amount. Yes, um, so let's let's go through each of your books here and and talk about them. We're let's start with um. It's called A Drift in Peril Strait, and that book I haven't read. This one, this is a children's book uh, for mm-hmm. elementary school. Yeah, upper, upper elementary. It's a chapter book. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm just going to read the summary. Uh, Adrift in Peril Strait, the sea otters are disappearing from Peril Strait. A stranger has moved into the abandoned boathouse next door. Kelly and Eddie aim to find out if the two things are connected. When Eddie is captured by the desperate poachers, Kelly must find a way to free him and get home across the treacherous waters of Peril Strait. What inspired you to write a children's book?
1: I wrote it for my children, Kelly <laughs> <laughs> oh. and Courtney. and the neighbor boy. And oh. I wrote it again. I wrote it 30 years ago. And a couple of years ago, I drug it out of the closet and I typed it up for the grandkids for them to look at. And they thoroughly enjoyed it. And so I thought, sure. There are so few. I, I mean, I don't know of any um, adventure books for that age that are based here in Southeast Alaska. And it's so hard to get kids to read that I thought it might be a good stepping stone for the kids here in town.
0: Yeah. There's definitely a whole population that really enjoys that um, books, adventure books about survival in Southeast and mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Well, I will have to, I know I'm, I'm looking at, I'm actually looking forward to checking that out because that is something that I would have read as a child. <laughs> um, and so home is where the fish are is the book that we, we were just talking about earlier mm-hmm. for the snapshot. And I just want to read the summary for the, for the listeners out there. Um. Home is Where the Fish Are offers an up-close look at life on the last frontier. Ringed by steel steel blue mountains, glaciers, spruce-covered hills, and the ever-changing, ever-challenging ocean, this small Alaskan fishing village is peopled by folks you will almost recognize and almost certainly come to love. Fact and fiction intersect in this vibrant story about ordinary people living in an extraordinary time and place. It was interesting to hear your background of bringing that out, because I feel like when I read this story, I thought this, this was the world that I came of age in. Right. And um, these were the issues and the things going on at that time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, in the story you, the you per- Portray the IFQs and the money involved, and and how that affected relationships. And um, yeah, it was. I I really enjoyed it because I thought I know this place. <laughs> um, it's it's not the same place that we are in now.
1: No, that's true.
0: And um, each
1: one of these is basically well, not a drift in peril straight, but these other three books are basically. Paperback romances, they are love stories at at their base. And Home is Where the Fish Are, too. But it's a whole bunch of love stories that intertwine. And they don't all turn out well. (laughs) They don't all turn out happily ever after. But once again, it's people who can conquer their own fear, get out of their own way, and take the chance to live courageously. So... There is that theme that goes through them all. I think, yeah. But I recognize that they're they're love stories. But I'm not. I mean, every book that's ever been written is essentially a love story. I mean, even the greatest story ever told is a love story, right? The New Testament—it's a love story. So there are all kinds of love, and there are all kinds of love stories. And so I, I'll, I'll own that.
0: Yeah. I'm not,
1: <laughs> I'll own it.
0: Well, and maybe and that's what I definitely feel like White Raven um definitely is that not that the others aren't. But I guess the other thing I feel about your stories are love stories, yes, on a personal level, but also I think a love of community definitely mm-hmm. weaves throughout all of your stories and um So White Raven is the one that I just finished reading. I'll read the summary for the listeners. So, fact or fiction, myth or science, coincidence or convergence, Chance Carter, hard-headed fisheries biologist, is doggedly pursuing her doctoral thesis when the whole axis of her world shifts, a vision, horrifying memories, regrets she thought she had outrun soon derail her long standing life mission instead with the help of an enigmatic native she pursues a different quest that will change life as she knows it set against the incomprehensible beauty and undetainable undeniable dangers of southeast alaska this adventure of mind body and spirit will leave you wondering about the boundaries where myth and fact meet, where science and superstition mingle. And if indeed we live our whole lives in the borderlands. I so enjoyed the myth, the myth that you wove into this and the characters, um, were phenomenal. (laughs) Thank you. I feel like this, this was a really fun read for me. Um,
1: when you talk about character development, one thing I wanted to say is that the land and the water and the climate are a character as well. They are as much a character as the people in the book. because oh, it, yes. Yeah. They affect outcomes and they, I mean, they cannot be ignored.
0: And this book is just, it's everything to this book. I feel mm-hmm. like that, yeah, the, where we live hmm As um, much
1: the of story as the characters themselves.
0: Yes. And I felt like after I finished this book, I, I was like, okay, I know who on the East Coast is getting this book for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> People who have come up to, to visit us and really love it here. I felt like, oh, they would love this book. Oh, that's um, wonderful. Because that's,
1: you know, like I say, that's one of the reasons I wanted to write, especially the first book. Let people know why we put up with a crappy weather here.
0: (laughs) Uh, The beauty of this place really comes out in this book. Thank you. I'm glad. And I love Chance Carter. She's, yeah, she's she's a force to be reckoned. (laughs) And, um, but I also love Bear. He's just so calm and steadfast and the the grandmother the grandmother in this story is just such a thing she's she's a wonderful person I just love her yeah yeah (laughs) yes so special and um his uncles I love both of his uncles too yes Uh yes it's it is a feel-good story I know and I and we were talking about this and how to because I don't want to give away the the ending but there was this scene at the end where it was pretty kind of stressful and um I love the moment when Chance Carter finds her voice and you know is this is who I am and and you're not I am not my past and this is who I choose to be And um, I choose to be. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah, it was just so powerful and I loved it. Well, thank you. If you are just joining us, this is Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson and today I'm talking with local author Christy Slavin, who has lived and worked in Southeast Alaska for 45 years, fisherman, teacher, potter, Author, she is eager to share her unique beauty, to share the unique beauty of her home through her stories. So, this is the story that I haven't read that you just, Daughters of the Devil. Mm-hmm. And it's not satanic. I want everyone to, it's not satanic.
1: <laughs> the Daughters of the Devil um, is the name that the Yakut in eastern Siberia gave to a meteor storm that passed through here 12,800 years ago and it changed the planet. It is the, that's again, it's a mingling of fact and fiction, but the fact is that this, this, uh, the earth was bombarded from space and it, uh, melted the ice caps because it caused fires. The whole North American continent was on fire and probably the other continents as well. So, Um, it melted the ice caps to the point that nothing but the mountaintops remained. Noah's flood 12,800 years ago. And every culture on the planet, every tribe, every corner has its flood legend. And they all make the same references. And that's when it happened. And that's why, even though modern humans have been on the planet for over 200,000 years, civilization as we know it only sprang up about five six thousand years ago it took that long to repopulate and regroup and start building again so there are those who speculate um, that we are approaching that exact same astronomical point in there's this comet that has a an orbit that's three and a third years around the sun and we cross that Orbit twice in May and October every year But There are those who speculate that we are entering Soon They say 2030 or 2032 That exact same spot where we encountered The meteor storm last time Yeah, so I mean, who knows But If that were to happen and because I want to write about Southeast, how do you combine those two things? I mean, I've, I've long had an interest in being a history teacher. I've long had an interest in the formation of civilization and civilizations that have gone before about which we know nothing. So how do you combine those two things? So I, um, I have this survival, um, well, a survival camp set up on one of the islands around here and they're trying to get ready for what they think is coming and it comes sooner than they expect and they're caught off guard and and the whole town is wiped out and things go from there. Okay. So once again, the main character is a woman and she's um, part Aleut and part Filipino and part um, white bread and she... Sees herself as not Particularly talented in any way But she ends up being quite a hero In the In the grand scheme of things Oh wow Because well, she I just her own strength. That. And again she's trying to get Out of her own way and, and get away Get beyond the fears That, that tie her To her limitations So uh, I guess I can't get away from that either
0: <laughs> No <laughs> Um, so when, when did you publish Daughters of the Devil just recently?
1: Well, I just threw it up a couple days ago, but, um, and I ordered a copy for myself because it it makes a difference when you get to a printed copy, you pick up mistakes that you didn't see before. And so, I mean, people can order it if they want to, I'm not going to put it in the bookstores here in town until I go through it once again and upload any corrections that I find I need to make, but it's, it's. Brand new, it's brand and new, and so I'm
0: halfway through, I'm more than halfway through the next one. And is the next one? Is it related to anything, or is it a standalone? Also,
1: it's a standalone. Okay, and it's it's as it's as southeast as you can get.
0: Yeah. So for our readers, I want to read the summary to "Daughters of the Devil." Um, the torrid meteor shower entertains the population entertains the population of planet Earth twice every year. But this year is different. Daughters of the Devil is a harrowing portrait of the near future as the Earth revisits the exact astronomical point in space that resulted in the great
1: megafaunals. That's when the saber-toothed cats and the giant short-faced bears and and the mammoths and mastodons, they all died out at the same time, about thousand years ago because of the fires and the flood and but it's they call it the megafaunal extinction and it's it's followed by something called the younger Dryas, which is an ice age after the fires and the flood of course the fires created this um, impact winter and the and the meteor impacts created this winter that lasted Quite some time and plunge the Earth into another ice age. We were just coming out of the ice age, and then boom, we're back in another one. It lasts for thirteen hundred years before we achieve the temperatures that we had prior to that. So, it's it's an incredible point, and you can find in different places in the United States this. It's called the black mat layer, and it hits the strata. Of, it's in the strata of the Earth at twelve thousand eight hundred years, and. Below it, you find mastodons and, you know, three-toed horses and things that were um, made extinct by this meteor shower and, and what followed it. And above, you have a completely different set of animals and humans appearing. But they have found populated sites, sites that were populated as much as 36,000 years ago on the, in especially in South America. So where did those people come from? Probably ocean voyages yeah. rather than the land bridge. But the land bridge, you know, makes sense at 11,000 years because that's after, after the great winter. And then they repopulate North and South America at 11,000 years. But prior to that, there were, there were civilizations all over the Pacific Rim uh, that are related to each other. Yeah, so... There's just there's just so much of pre deluge world history that we do not understand.
0: Yeah, I I so enjoyed that in the White Raven, and learning that because and when I got through reading the book, that was the question in my mind: Are they really related? Because I've always wondered that the Maori people of New Zealand. And Southeast, I mean, the artwork and the, you know, there's so much cultural similarity there. Right. And the Hawaiians. Yeah. I if didn't. Look at
1: the word Hawaii, and, which means homeland, right? Okay. And look at Haida Gawaii. Those, that means the Haida homeland. Okay. Hawaii, Hawaii and Gawaii. Haida Gawaii it's the same word <laughs> and the the clinket and the polynesians share distinct blood phenotypes that, that don't don't occur among the melanesians don't occur among the Chilcat, but they occur between the clinket and the polynesians and the haida share genetic similarities oh, i can't remember is it Anyway, it's another, it's another group in the South Pacific.
0: Um, Yeah. I so enjoyed learning that when reading your book, because it's something I've always wondered about.
1: Um, And if you look at Hawaiian legends about how they were populated, and you go back to their flood legends, and they match the ones from Southeast, because, well, they just do. (laughs) 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 Don't need to go into details, but... They're, they're very close and very similar. And um, there, there was also, I believe, a migration out of Southeast into Hawaii when Edgecombe blew. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it covered the whole area in ash. It was hard to live.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I invite listeners to check out your books we we have we have them at the library and um yeah thank you for joining me today well, thank um, you for asking. it's been really nice talking with you yeah you too and uh i look forward to reading daughters of the devil not satanic <laughs> no <laughs> no and thanks for giving that um background for that i i yeah, there's just so much going on in these books that, yeah, it's really enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you, Curry. Thank you for joining us. This has been Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. Today's show will be archived as a podcast on the library's website at www.psglib.org. There will also be a link to the library's website at kfsk.org. Any resources discussed during the show will be listed in the podcast description. Um, Thank you to KFSK and the Friends of Petersburg Libraries for making today's show possible.